Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. pretty clear like you're being paid millions of dollars to be a basketball player you're being paid to be the face of a city really an organization and one of the faces of a multi-billion dollar league your name is Zion Williamson and you can't get your fat ass up and play basketball and frankly you can't get your fat ass up and play basketball from the start of your career back in 2019 Zion Williamson was the number one draft choice in the NBA, an athletic freak, but more importantly, a brilliant basketball player, made the right passes, whether they were bounce passes, lob passes, made the right play, a little bit, frankly, like uh, LeBron James with his intellect. He was a freak athlete like James. He was strong. He was built. He could do everything on the basketball court like James, including be brilliant. But then something happened, even in 2019, after being the first player picked in the draft. His fat Dupayash played one summer league game and couldn't make it through. Why? Nobody wants to say, but of course we all knew. Couldn't stop eating. It's fat. It's fat. He's fatting himself out of the league. He's Oliver Millering it. He's becoming a joke. He's becoming a meme. He's becoming a punchline. And it's sad because this might, Zion Williamson, be the most talented, engaging player we've had in the NBA since Magic Johnson. True? He's got the great smile. He's got the electric ability. He's got the kind of the likability. But he's fat. And he can't stop being fat. And this isn't just this year where, what did he play, 28 games, 29 games? Only plays in 29 games. He's got a hamstring. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, I never had hamstrings until guess what? I weigh 250. When I weigh 210, never had a hamstring, never had a back, never had nothing. I'm fat. And I know that in the weird world that we live in where good is bad and bad is good, fat now is celebrated as healthy, which is complete crap. Everybody and their mother knows it. Just go to your doctor. They'll tell you lose weight. Every time I go to the doctor, he's like, hey, Dan, your back hurts. Yeah, lose weight. Your knees hurt. Yeah, lose weight. Your face hurts. Yes, uh, run, and it'll lo- you'll lose head weight. I'm serious. Just the idea that fat is healthy is idiotic, and look no farther than Zion Williamson. And the problem for Zion Williamson is now the cover is blown. Back in 2019, people were giving him excuses left and right. Are you kidding me? Oh, he's just been since college, not doing much. He was the number one pick. He had to go to this place, had to go to the Wooden Awards, had to go to the Naismith Awards, had to go to this, had to go to that. Don't you worry about old Zion. He's going to be damn good to go when it's time to be good to go. Well, We knew at the time, I'm sitting there at the Summer League game discussing with my director, 
of the games that I was doing, I wasn't doing the games with um, uh, that Zion's was because he wasn't playing, but we're talking about how to approach Zion, and I looked at him, I go, he's fat. You can't play basketball fat. Charles Barkley came on this show about a year ago, and Charles said Moses Malone changed his life. How did Moses Malone change his life? Moses Malone told Charles Barkley, you can't play in the NBA fat. So what did Barkley do? He got skinny. What Barkley do? He became a great, not a good, a great player. Skinny. Good player, fat. Interesting. Oh, isn't it fun to watch? Look at the heavy guy. But it is unhealthy. It is dangerous for the team that gave you a ton of money. And this guy is just stealing money. Yeah, he's got a cool looking uh, earring. Wow. Look at his jacket. Man, I want to go buy it. He's got all the crap, but he doesn't have the game. He doesn't have nothing. He doesn't have the ability right now to run up and down a basketball court for 10 minutes, much less 48 minutes. And, ladies and gentlemen, that's what he's getting paid millions of dollars to do. And that's what people are paying thousands of dollars to do. Thousands of dollars is what they're be, uh, what people are paying because when they go get their tickets, they want to see Zion, and you should. He's that kind of good. But fat ain't good, people. 114 games in his career. That's not even a season and a half because he's fat. Not because he's injured. Don't give me that crap. Don't give me that crap, Vanity Fair crap, where, well, you know, uh, fat is beautiful. Let's get plus-size models. Uh-uh. No. No, 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 no. No. Stop it. Don't want to hear it. Uh-uh. Fat ain't beautiful. Fat is dangerous. Fat is unhealthy. And fat slows you down. And if, ladies and gentlemen, we want to celebrate it, then we should celebrate everything that is awful for you. Because being fat is awful. Load management. I'll tell you where the load is on Zion Williams. is in his stomach and in his backside. I guarantee you there's some back fat there. Well, you're being racist. No, I'm not. I'd say the same thing about a white dude. Doesn't matter to me what color you are if you're fatting yourself out of the playoffs and your teammates got to go out there and bust it. Brandon Ingram's busting it. Brandon Ingram's playing his brains out while his fat teammate has the nerve to sit there and watch. Tired of guys cheating us. Tired of it. Uh, Let's go the other way. Did you see this last night? Did you see what Zach Levine did? And he wasn't even the star. Zach Levine had 32 for the Bulls in the second half. Now think about that. 32 in a playoff game. That's Michael Jordan-like. If Zach Levine was even a little bit likable, that would be a big deal. When you drive up I-65 towards Chicago and you get into Maryville, there was a time where every billboard for this health company had a Zach Levine picture. There were three things that you saw on your way to O'Hare Airport. Zach Levine promoting a health company, uh, Erlacher promoting new hair, Ryan Sandberg promoting new hair. Billboards everywhere. And Levine was totally unlikable. I mean, totally unlikable. But that's the opposite of D.R. DeRozan. No, 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 no. I did not. I said D.R. DeRozan. 
That's right. I didn't say DeMar DeRozan. I said D.R. DeRozan. The nine-year-old daughter of DeMar DeRozan. She was screaming like a crazy woman last night every time the Pelic- or the Raptors excuse me, shot a free throw. It was granite-piercing screams. And the nine-year-old made it work. The nine-year-old made it work because the Raptors went 18 for 36, blew a 19-point lead. Yes, DeMar DeRozan was terrific. Yes, Zach Levine was fantastic. No question about it. But the star of the show, D.R. DeRozan, screaming, yelling, boom. Awesome. See, that's the good stuff in sports. That's the great stuff in sports. You got a team like the Bulls, seemingly down and out. They don't quit. Guy gets hot. Next thing you know, they are rocking and rolling. And then you add to it with the daughter of one of their players contributing. That, to me, is fun, ladies and gentlemen. Not watching fat dudes in their little jackets sitting on the sideline where their players are busted at serious business. That's fun. I'll tell you what else is fun. The Rays. The Rays have won their 12th straight. How about that? 12th straight. Like, 12 wins to start a season is one thing. The record is 13. But the Rays? I know they've been good. I know they started the whole Joe Madden analytics thing, and Kevin Cash at all has kept it going. And Kevin Kiermeyer, <clears throat> who is a kid that, uh, excuse me, grew up in Indiana as their center fielder, makes a spectacular play every night. I say this with reluctance because Kiermeyer is a massive Purdue fan. But that's all right. But the truth of the matter is, they started out winning 12 in a row. Record's 13. Will they get to 13? You know what happens in these instances. Follow me along here. All of a sudden, we start talking about it, right? All of a sudden, we're out here going, hey, they're one short of the major league record. Look at this. Oh, my God, look at where they're at. And next thing you know, because of the publicity, because of what's said, I believe because of the karma from talking about it, it's like a no-hitter in the seventh. You don't talk about it. Next thing you know, boom. Uh, You see right there, Jacob G says they had 12,000 at their game last night. Oh, that's terrible. You know what, though? I wouldn't mind being a Rays fan. See, I like always have liked going to baseball games with no one there. Until I went to Wrigley and Midgey, Miguel Montero, whatever the hell his name is, hit a grand slam and Wrigley in the playoffs, and Wrigley Field was absolutely crazy. That was different. That was better. But used to be you'd go to Wrigley, sit down the left field line, nobody was there. And you could run after foul balls as a kid or as a high school kid. But 12,000 people, that's 1,000 for every win. That seems about right. The only true race fan that I know is Dick Vitale. Dick Vitale has had the best seats in the house for 127 years, however long the Rays have been in there. And good for Dickie V, man. Good for Dickie V. Dickie V gets to celebrate his team being good. And I got to tell you, after years of being in a dumpster, And after years of not only being in the dumpster, but in the toughest division, the last, what, 10, 15 years, the Rays have been great. 
still in the toughest division. You got Boston, you got Toronto, you got the Yankees, you got teams that'll spend. And there they are. There they are. Go ahead and say it, people. I'm going to jump back to Zion. It ain't bad to tell you Zion Williamson is fat. Well, let's put it this way. He ain't skinny. He ain't in shape. He's sitting there dunking before in warm-ups, and nobody will say it because we always, for some reason, protect the poor NBA player. Oh, my God, the poor NBA player. What are we going to do? I don't know. I, I, I don't get it. It's crap. All right, NFL. I'm starting to think this. I'm starting to think this in the NFL. I don't think anybody truly wants any of these quarterbacks. The quarterbacks are going to go. Bryce Young's going to go. No question about it. C.J. Stroud's going to go. But the more I talk to people, nobody says, well, you know, these quarterbacks are great. Urban said they're both going to start, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, from the get-go. Urban said, hey, look, I like them. They're both going to start. Stroud has special instincts, special vision. I get it. I'm fine with that. Fine. Good. But the truth of the matter is, I don't think anybody really likes him. I keep hearing that. I keep hearing that, well, you know, you're kind of in a quandary here. There are different quandaries in the NFL. One of the worst quandaries, I want you to follow me with this, is when you know you're not talented enough and you can't get the right guy. That's where the Colts are. The Colts are 32nd in the NFL according to ESPN Power Ratings. Now, I don't know what that means. Last time they were 32nd, Ryan Grigson became the GM, Pagano became the coach, and Luck became the quarterback, and they made the playoffs and went 11-5. and So we'll see what this does. We'll see what happens here with this new regime. But the Colts are the perfect example. They need a quarterback like I need hair. But are they in a position to get one? The dream of Lamar Jackson is dead for everybody. If your team thought they were getting Lamar Jackson, I swear to you, it ain't happening. All you got to do is read the tea leaves with OBJ celebrating, being recruited, and hanging out with Lamar Jackson. Next thing you know, OBJ signs. Next thing you know, everybody else is off the table for Lamar Jackson in the draft. When you're the Colts and maybe other teams – You're in a position where, well, we got to love the fourth pick in the draft. We got to love them. We got to love, love, not like. We got to love a quarterback. You're telling me you love Will Levis? You're telling me you love Anthony Richardson? Remember, with Anthony Richardson, how you play on Saturday is normally how you're going to play on Sunday. How did Anthony Richardson play on Sunday? Well, he played well enough to get a coach fired, or poorly enough to get a coach fired. He played poorly enough to complete 53% of his passes. I don't know what to tell you. How did Levis play? Well, Levis played, I guess, okay his junior year, his senior year, whatever year you call these things. Team wasn't very good. Running back was out, and he wasn't able to elevate him. And then you watch these two and you say to yourself, well, I'll take Richardson because I just like everything about Richardson. I wouldn't take Levis because Levis has a punchable face. And he does all this and this and all the stupid stuff that people that are quarterbacks should not be doing. Serious business. I don't think anybody likes these. I don't. I don't. That's not right. I think they like them. I don't think they love 
these guys. I don't think that any team, I've not heard, and I've talked to six different people from six different organizations, actually seven, two from the same. And I got to tell you, I don't think anybody likes them. I No, 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 no. Let me say it again. I don't think anybody loves them. It's not like, yes, the fans are going to be fired up when Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud gets announced. But it's not like internally I'm not feeling that the team that gets these guys isn't jumping up and down knowing, knowing they've got something. I equate it to gambling. When I put together a parlay, I like to put together one game in that parlay that I know is going to win. That's Andrew Luck. That's Peyton Manning. That's maybe Patrick Mahomes coming out. See, I think there's two different ways. I think when you go draft Mitchell Trubisky, you've tricked yourself into liking somebody. And I think when you draft Patrick Mahomes in the same draft, you're sitting there giddy going, man, these guys don't know what they don't know. And what they don't know is that Mahomes really has an internal fortitude that these others don't. That's when you really know. I remember watching kids when I was at Bowling Green on the AAU circuit, hoping that Ohio State and Michigan and all those schools wouldn't watch this kid, wouldn't really watch this kid. And I would look over and I'd see, you know, the coach at Michigan or Ohio State talking and blah, 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 blah. And I'd be like, good. And every time they came, they were great players until, of course, maybe most of them transferred because I was too mean. But I got to tell you, I just don't think they like them. I just don't think they love them. I don't. Uh, if you're Stephen A. Smith, well, I'm going to get into Stephen A. Smith and his love for Trump. See, I'm gonna, the thing you got to understand about Donald Trump is Donald Trump was a Democrat. Donald Trump was beloved by the African-American power, power folks, Jesse Jackson, all the guys that had real power. Donald Trump was loved by him. Why? Because he donated to him. Because he took care of him. That's why anybody loves anybody when you get older. Let's be honest. Hey, man, I really like that guy. Why? Well, he takes care of me when I show up at so-and-so. Now, sometimes you take care of people because you like their product. I'll give you an example. There's a distillery over here called Moon, uh, Moon Drops. Moon Drops, I didn't know them. I just happened to try their lemonade. And I'm like, wow, is this good? Holy cow. The Bonfire Blend. And I'm like, well, I want to promote that. So I started promoting it when I was at the radio station because I liked it and then said I want to be a part of it because it's local. That's what I like to do. I like local. But then the other way is, well, this guy takes care of me, so I like him. Meaning, had Moondrops come to me and said, hey, Dan, we want to pay you to advertise, I'd like him, because everybody likes being paid. Do you see my point here? They like Donald Trump. The African-American community, Stephen A. Smith included, liked Donald Trump because, look, he was a part. He gave. He cared. And he cared as a president. Now, the problem you have if you're Stephen A. Smith is, uh, hey, ESPN, I like Donald Trump. Does that mean that Ryan Clark isn't going to work with him? Does that mean that L. Duncan is going to shun him? Does that mean that Laura Rutledge is going to be nervous being around like they all are with Sage Steele? Is that what that means? They're all nervous about being around Sage because she's a conservative. They're all nervous because, well, Laura Rutledge, I, I don't know what's going to happen with my career. Oh my gosh, I'm not going to be allowed to be on stage. 
Bah. It's crap. Everybody, nobody, nobody said anything about Donald Trump being a racist until when? He ran for damn president. He was on the other side. And next thing you know, people lost their daggone mind. You know, I'll tell you something else. Popovich went on a rant. David Hookstead, our friend, wrote an article about old Pop going on an anti-gun rant. Hey, look, I personally, me personally, I don't. I don't really have a problem with guys going on whatever rants they want. I don't think David does either. Uh, we like free speech. See, here at OutKick, we don't attack you for having opinions differing from us. We attack the hypocrisy. We attack the total BS. We attack the fact that, wait a second, that's just not true. And that's where the great David Hookstead comes in here because nobody, nobody attacks hypocrisy better than D. Hookstead. But I got to tell you, I've had enough of Luke Fickle. Before we get into this, Hookstead is like America's greatest Wisconsin fan. Every time Luke Fickle takes a dump, somebody writes about the culture being changed at Wisconsin. Luke Fickle went into the men's room. He came out 20 minutes later. Guess what? The culture at Wisconsin football has changed. I like Luke Fickle. I know Luke Fickle. I've had enough. Win a game first. Well, hey, I want to win as many games as you possibly can. I'll tell you what, Dan, I'll write you a check for a million dollars, hard, cold cash. You can point to that headline. But I'll tell you this. I write what people read. When people stop reading about it, I'll stop writing about it. That's how the business brand works. (laughs) I know. But damn. All right, Luke. Get some thin ankles going. Let's get down the field a little bit. Let's open it up. Let's still play defense. Let's still run the ball because we do that, but let's open it up. Hey, uh, Greg Popovich and I played at the same Little League. He was older than me. Greg Popovich is from my hometown. I'm proud to say that. Uh, But Greg Popovich, you knew he had a stance. Give me your take. You wrote the article on, on old Pop. Yeah, well, I think Ted Cruz kind of summed it up very well in the fact that Greg Popovich works in an industry where there's cops guarding the locker room, guarding the tunnel, guarding the bench people with guns, and yet he wants to sit up there and lecture Americans about the Second Amendment. He calls it a myth. It's not a myth. It's actually very real. It's in the Bill of Rights, which this country is one of the pillars of this great country. But more importantly than this, I don't have an issue with anyone holding any opinion they want to have. I have an issue with the hypocrisy, and what I really have an issue with is someone thinking because they're a basketball coach, they somehow matter more than the average person does when it comes to their political beliefs. Greg Popovich won 20, 22 games this year, I think. Spend a little more time focusing on that and a little uh, less time focusing on lecturing middle-class Americans, and maybe you'll have more success. Just my thoughts. Uh, you know what's great about that? Because in coaching, that's the way it always comes down. Like I always said, people get much more interesting when they win. Their opinions are much more valid when they win. Pop is a Hall of Famer because they drafted David Robinson, Tim Duncan, and were smart enough to get Ginobili and Parker. That's it. Nothing that he's done before or since. Well, right. And the important thing to remember, and I know all the smart OutKick viewers watching this right now, and we know there's a ton of them watching because your show is a huge hit. Congrats on the extension, by the way. Very exciting. Thank you. You're a basketball coach. You get paid to win basketball games. If I want your opinion on winning basketball games, 
I'll ask you and I'll weigh it more than your than than my opinion because I'm not a basketball coach. After that, your opinion on guns, healthcare, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, that's just your opinion as an American. You're not an expert. And when you work in an industry where cops guard you and they protect you, I don't want to hear you tell me how you should take guns away from everyone else. Tell me how to run a great offense, run a great defense. That's where your opinion matters more to me. Does his opinion, let's just take out who he is and what he is, does what he's saying hold water? Not one bit. Not one bit. I will tell you this, Dan, and and let's get into a little bit of the facts of the matter. Rifles, which everyone seems to have a problem with, account for a minor fracture. You're talking a couple hundred deaths a year out of what's mostly gang wars and suicide. So these people who are trying to ban guns, they're not even focused on anything that would move the needle. Ted Cruz in his comments made it very clear he's for armed security in school. I am for protecting kids by any means necessary, but here's a hard pill that is going to be tough for some people to swallow, but it's true. Psychos who want to do harm and don't care if they die in the process are very hard to stop. And that's, we live in a country of 340 million people. We have freedoms. Bad people exist. We're going to try to combat those bad people. Unfortunately, you can't stop them all. It is what it is. And I hate to say that, but you can't stop every psycho who doesn't care if they die in a blaze of glory. Let me ask you a question, though. He, he talks about automatic weapons. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in theory and maybe in law, Automatic weapons are not for sale to just, I can't walk in and go buy an automatic weapon, or can I? What's the process? You, you, can, you cannot walk into a gun store and buy what is referred to as a class three firearm, which is a fully automatic weapon, uh, a suppressor, a short barrel rifle, short barrel shotgun. Those laws have been on the books for decades. You can get one now. It's going to be very expensive. You're talking twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. You're talking extensive background, fingerprinting, all this extra stuff. So, for all intensive purposes, the regular American does not have access to fully automatic weapons unless they're rich, very, very, very rich, and can get their hand and can afford it and go through the process. So, anyone who says you can walk into Walmart and buy an automatic weapon is is lying to you. That's what they're lying. That seems to be the prevailing theme, though, right? That anybody, anywhere, you know, you can go to a gun show, you can go anywhere and get an automatic weapon. I actually believed that years ago when I was railing against it. And then I learned a little bit and said, wait a second, it's just not that simple. Right. Absolutely not. It's not that simple. Uh, That law went into effect in the 1930s. There was another law that went into effect in the 1980s, banning further manufacturers. You only have what's in circulation. Now, can you get a pump action shotgun, a semi-automatic pistol rifle? Sure. But that's different. That's one bullet per pull of the trigger. That's not an automatic weapon. So you see these politicians who claim an AR-15 can shoot 60 rounds in 10 seconds. Um, No, actually, that's not a functional uh, use of the weapon. And I know people who've used AR-15s. I know people who've used M4s in combat. And they'll be the first people to tell you the average politician has no idea what they're talking about when it comes to how those weapons work. But they're, they're scary looking. They're what the Army looks like, what they carry, so people freak out. It's, it's a complex issue, but they don't have any idea what they're talking about. Do you think as we move forward here, and Popovich is just one of many, uh, including President Biden, who uh, I guess his answer to everything is wait till there's a shooting, then blame Republicans. That's how it seems to me. Uh, do you think there's a movement here to do something about guns in this country? 
Well, my question is, we have about 20,000 laws. So anyone who's pushing for gun control, I'd say we have 20,000 laws, roughly gun laws on the books. Murder is already illegal. People who are mentally ill cannot have weapons. People on substance abuse issues cannot have weapons. These laws exist. So what new law do these people want other than going door to door and just taking your guns away? Which, to be fair, is what they want. They just don't want to come out and say it. There's no new law that prevents that. If you're on drugs, you can't have a gun. If you're mentally ill, you can't have a gun. If you're a criminal, you can't have a gun. You can't murder people, period. So what law would they like? That's what I want an answer to that. Yeah, it's interesting. People say tougher gun laws. Okay. Uh, the answer to the, the, the simplistic statement of tougher gun laws is Chicago, right? Where they have these really tough gun laws and everybody just shoots because they go to Indiana or somewhere. They're getting guns. The, you know, tougher gun laws is fluff. It, it isn't, you know, specific. What do you want to be done with guns is what I would do as a politician if I were on that side of this equation. Here is exactly what I want done. Here is what some laws are. They're not working. I propose this. You see what I'm saying? Be specific. Absolutely. And I will tell you this, Dan, I live in Washington, D.C. We have some of, if not the strictest gun laws in America. I don't feel safe walking around. Guns are de facto banned here unless you're willing to jump through a million hoops. The criminals run this city. Make no mistake about it. Washington, D.C. is run by the criminals and the gangs who all seem to be armed to the teeth. But I, as an average American, I have to get on my knees and beg the government to defend myself. So I live in a city just like Chicago. And I can tell you, Dan, it doesn't make me feel safe knowing only the criminals are armed. Yeah, and that's the problem. I mean, you know, and I did not understand that. I'm not going to lie to you. People would tell me that, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's crap. This I'm going about six, seven years ago. Now I understand it a little bit. Let me ask you another question. I'm really railing on this because, well, I got women in my life that are very strong, very athletic, uh, one still playing. I talk about her all the time. At Harvard, I see what happened, two things. I see what happened to Riley Gaines uh, being attacked, being held hostage. And you know what? The sports media, ESPN and others, which is supposedly covering all things now, political, women, sport, haven't touched this. And, of course, the other thing is Dylan Mulvaney. I love what John Rich did, who owns uh, – he's got a very popular bar right on Broadway. He's like, hey, I'm not taking it off, Bud Light. Budweiser, but no one's ordering it because they went to a fake woman as the damn spokesperson. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I mean, and we just covered a different one yesterday where a, a popular lingerie company is now using a man uh, to promote their lingerie. It makes, it makes no sense. The Riley Gaines thing to me is simply disgusting. They held her and they sat in the hallway and demanded money to let her go. I don't know how that's not kidnapping. If I did that to someone and said, if you don't pay me, I'm not going to let you leave. I'd be in prison. But if it happens in San Francisco, I guess it's just funny and humorous. And the San Francisco State University president released a statement about how it was traumatic, I guess, for the campus. What about Riley Gaines? That's a 22-year-old woman exercising her free speech who is harassed, 
uh, attacked, touched against her will. And then you have Dylan Mulvaney, Bud Light. The average Bud Light fan, I think before this, was probably your average OutKick fan. Loves America, loves college football, likes to drink cheap, cold beer. That's what I am for sure. And all of a sudden, they're going to Dylan Mulvaney, who just makes a mockery of women and acts like women are stupid. This is what happens. You play woke games, you win stupid prizes. Bud Light deserves the backlash. It's it's appalling. It, all of it's appalling. It's It makes no sense. The one thing I will say about Bud Light's ad, and this is just like sports, uh, it, you know, whatever saying you want, proof is in the pudding, it's going to come out in the wash, whatever saying, it's either going to work and we're going to know it, or it's not going to work and we're going to know it. There is no hiding when you're talking about beer sales. There is no hiding when you talk about beer distribution, product distribution. We're all going to know the answer to the question very soon here. In the stock price, pay attention to what the stock price is, too, because right, it's dropped. Right. If that drop continues, you're really going to see it. I think Clay said on his show, belittle any of your friends that keeps drinking Bud Light. I don't know if I'll go that far, but I, I, I haven't had a Bud Light. I can't even tell you. I certainly haven't had one since this controversy started, and I have no urge to have one anytime soon. Know your market. Play your game, in the words of Herb Brooks, the famous hockey coach, play your game. Bud Light, this is not your game. This is not your, what are you doing? You know, uh, I am big on the protest. I am big. Ever since I was in sixth grade, my father got fired by a guy who was a superintendent of schools. My dad was a principal of a uh, public school in Gary. He gets fired he had punched this guy in a bar two years earlier. The guy becomes his boss and fires and makes him a seventh grade typing teacher. The entire school, the entire school, secretaries, teachers, all walked out and marched. It became national news, so I've always liked the protest. I'm going to protest. There is a product of Bud Lights or Budweiser that is out there that had become my favorite beer. This protest is going to hurt me. This protest is going to hurt my summer drinking. But damn it, David, I'm standing up. I'm standing tall. I'm standing strong. I'm protesting. I ain't drinking it. Absolutely. And guess what, Dan? You're not alone. There, as we've seen by the stock prices and all the stories from the bar owners, there's millions of people who are going to be protesting right there with you. I got to ask you, LeBron James in the playoffs, a good thing or tiring? Or both? Well, the NBA's ratings are lackluster, to say the least. So it's a good thing. I don't like LeBron James. I don't like anyone who cowers to the Chinese dictatorship and pretends that they're a great, great governing body. I think it's disgusting. But having said that, I get paid to tell the truth. You get paid to tell the truth. That's why people come to OutKick. LeBron James is the most famous player in the NBA. So anything LeBron James is involved in is better for the NBA than if he's not. So as much as it pains me to say, it's good for the NBA. And you know what? I think you have your, your sentiments right there are, are what I've said is, look, I need star power. If, if the Lakers are in and LeBron James is and I'm not watching the Lakers, I could give a rat's about fat uh, Zion Williamson or – uh, John Moran, I, I want to see guys that I know, and uh, I think you're right. I think if it's good for the NBA, probably good for the average fan. I'm asking people because one thing about LeBron James, David, is, man, that dude is polarizing as hell. He really is. 
Yeah, well, that's what happens. I mean, let's never forget LeBron James did two things that I think you can't forgive. Number one, when Daryl Morey spoke up for freedom in Hong Kong, LeBron James flipped out and then attacked the First Amendment. He said, yeah, we have freedom of speech, but there's consequences for that. Wrong answer, buddy. Your only answer when dealing with the Chinese dictatorship is that you should say they're disgusting. And I refuse to work with the communist CCP. Treat them like the Soviet Union in the Cold War. The second thing he did, which everyone forgets about, is he docks that police officer who shot and killed the woman who tried to stab the girl. And he said, you're next, as if he wanted to set his 50 million Twitter followers on Cop did nothing wrong. He was cleared. He had to shoot and kill someone to save a young black girl's life. Disgusting. LeBron James is a great basketball player, not a very smart person off the court, and we shouldn't pretend like he is. I agree. Uh, did you see PETA's after him too? PETA's after him because there is a community center that he apparently owns in Akron. In it is a Starbucks. In that Starbucks, they serve milk. And Peter's mad at LeBron James because they serve milk in a star. He does catch it from all sides, and deservedly so. Well, only PETA could get me to side with LeBron James. Look, milk is as American as it comes. I eat, bake, I eat bacon and eggs every single morning to this day. I drank a glass of milk every morning growing up. If that's the best line of attack PETA has on LeBron James on that issue to show how fair I am, I 100% side with LeBron James. I know. That's why I said it, because it's like, wait a second here, 99.9% of the time, you're like, screw LeBron James. And then when P does, you're like, hey, what the hell is this? You know, you know what I mean? It's an unlikely uh, alliance I didn't see coming. I didn't either, but that's what I do on this show. I bring, I'm Henry Kissinger back in the 70s. I bring people together. I bring them together. Yeah. I'm Al Haig. I bring people together, man. That's what I do. Appreciate you, right. my friend. Thank you. Have a good one, Dan. Ah, oh, man, I love talking. D. Hookstead. Go to him right now. Get on Twitter. Go to D H O O K S T E A D. Now, go do it, please. I got a lot to get to today. Uh, LeBron James can. Look, if PETA's after you, then LeBron James, or I side with LeBron James. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying I'm right. But PETA's mad at James because James apparently has a Starbucks in his community center in Akron that serves milk. <laughs> Jeez. Hey, man, if they try to take away hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet, then we really got a problem. We do. Planet Tyus is coming on here at 10 o'clock. Go to the YouTube channel right now. Let's go. Subscribe, push the bell, ring the bell. You'll get alerts on our show. Our show is just rocking and rolling through YouTube, and I thank all of my tremendous following, my people on YouTube who bring it every day. Like, there is not a day that I could come on this show and half-ass it for you. Because my YouTube people, they bring it, I must bring it, we're not messing around. Today's getaway day for me, by the way. Tomorrow I'll be doing the show, six in the morning, Vegas time, from a casino. That's right. I'll be at the Hard Rock slash Bally's. I don't know. I guess Bally's. What? No, no, no. Yeah, I think it's bad. No, it's not Bally's. I forget what it is. My brother made the, the Mirage. The Mirage slash Hard Rock. I'll be in the casino doing the show six in the morning. You know, as hard as I run people, I may be just getting in at six in the morning. I may be still hammered. No, I'll be in bed by eight tonight. 
Uh, file this under WTF. I assume you all know what that means. Is this. What the f- is this? Listen to this. A lingerie company uses a non-binary man to sell lingerie. Swear to God. Swear to, I'm not going to say the name of the company. I'm not saying nothing. But what the, so women now cannot even, cannot even sell lingerie that women wear. Maybe they're selling it to men, but I got to tell you, even with these D cups I've established in this dad bod, I don't think I need a bra, a man's ear, maybe a bro, but do I really need a bra? Do I really need this guy selling me lingerie? Now look, he's ripped. Uh, good. But is that really what we want? Is that, are women so repugnant, so repulsive to companies that you can't have women selling lingerie? Is that what this is? Like, are, is it, we got to be so hip and so cool that everybody wants to buy our lingerie because, well, women aren't the only ones wearing it. I got to tell you, I think this is crap. I think this is ridiculous. I think this is offensive to women. But you know what? Genderless lingerie is the future of our country, according to different studies at different places. Genderless. Lingerie brands are challenging the binary, one collection at a time. Good, good for you. Look at these freak shows. Honest to God. Good. Hey, look, if that's your thing, I don't want to hear, though, about how our mental health crisis, it, when these 20-somethings realize when they're 30 what idiots they were, how ridiculous they were, and they decide, wait a second, I'm going to go with science and I'm going to be a man or a woman. You know, we're going to have to live with all these sob stories coming up in about 10 years. You know we are. I hope I'm still alive for it. We're going to have to listen to these sob stories of these guys and gals that mutilated themselves uh, in the gender, transgender movement. We're going to have to listen to all of this crap as we move forward. You know we are. You know how it goes when people are young. We, they, they do all these wacky things, used to be drugs and sex, and then we had to listen to Danny Bonaducci and all these guys sob stories about how I was a teenager and it was so much pressure and I didn't know what to do and blah, 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 blah. So that's what's coming next. What's coming next is the guy on the left there or the guy on the right there in about 10 years selling a book telling us how, well, you know, I got caught up in a movement and I didn't know what to do. You know it's coming. You know it's coming. It's 1,000% coming. I got to get on Oprah. Oprah, I got caught in the movement and I went and I got uh, mutilated. You know it is. It always does. It's not if, it's when. It's not maybe, it's for sure. So all these little guys and gals that are caught up in this little movement, they're all going to be on your TV in about six to 10 years 
with their sob stories, and away we go. We already talked about Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith did something that most African Americans that understood back in the day and needed help with businesses or needed exposure, they went to Donald Trump. I'm sorry, they did. See, one of the things that white people miss about the African-American community is that real means something. See, to white people, real means like I got to act like something that I'm not. I learned through coaching kids through years, just be real. I had a player, a great player, tell me, coach, you're the first white guy that ever had the guts to yell at me. I said, well, have you been around white guys? Yeah, of course. My high school coach, my AAU coach. I said, well, what was their problem? Well, they couldn't get real with me. They were afraid. I said, well, I don't know what to tell you. I've always been taught be real, be honest, judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. That's what I've always been taught. I'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What can I tell you? You guys and gals that have watched this show, you know the deal. You know it comes once in a while. It just does. I don't know what to do about it, and sometimes I just got to go. <laughs> oh, but Stephen A. Smith, ladies and gentlemen, he came out and, well, he defended Donald Trump, said he liked him, then he ran for president, and then people get taking words and mixing them up and putting them in a word salad, and then always coming out the other end saying, well, you know what? You're racist. You're sexist. Nobody ever called Donald Trump racist. Nobody ever called him sexist before he went and ran for president. But now you have to do it, right? You've got to say that he's racist or sexist because that's the way you heard him. In the modern world, people that knew the guy knew that he wasn't. People that knew the guy knew he's a stand-up guy. Not the greatest human being alive, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is he certainly wasn't as portrayed. Look, anytime you don't just acquiesce in this world, bow down, bend a knee, whatever you want to call it, to the ist population, the phobic population, whatever it is, anytime you don't just bend down, you know the deal. You clearly know the deal, and that is you are going to be called an ist, you are going to be called phobic, you are going to be called them. There you go. So at the end of the day, the deal, the deal is very simple, very simple.
don't pay attention to anybody who leads with racist or transphobic or homophobe. Don't pay attention to any of them because they're nuts. They're nuts and they're changing the narrative on you because they want you to hate. Don't hate. Don't hate, baby. Procreate. Uh, NPR has quit Twitter over the accurate label of being government-funded media. Now, that is one way to get rid of fake news. You know who else just joined them today? I'll tell you who just joined them today. PBS just joined them today in getting off of Twitter. So we got NPR, who's mad because they were called government-funded, which I don't know they are, and, of course, PBS, which, of course, is government-funded. They have quit Twitter. Well, that'll show us, damn it. Who doesn't go to uh, Twitter to find out what NPR and PBS is thinking. Look, I listen to NPR occasionally, not very recently. Certainly haven't in a while. Used to watch PB- PBS because my sister used to have an hour of television where she got to watch her shows, Zoom and Sesame Street. I was not happy about that as a kid. I was pissed. Sure was. But anyway, so there you go. That's the deal. NPR got called out as being government-owned, government-funded, didn't like it, took their ball and ran, and so did just an hour ago. So did PBS. So good for them. Uh, We talked about this the other day, and this is interesting to me. You know, these economic times hurt everybody, and everybody seems to tell me or wants to tell me that the NBA is flush with cash. The NBA's billions of dollars TV contracts covers everything. Those are up. Those are coming up. Well, the NBA office said, wait a second, we're not hiring anybody. They're limiting hiring, they're cutting spending, and they fear a massive recession is on the horizon. Well, welcome to Joe Biden's economy. Welcome to what we have all been dealing with for the entire time Joe Biden has been in office. Welcome to it. NBA. This is what we see when we go to the store. This is what we see when we go to the pump. This is what we see when we look at our 401k. This is what we see when we try to buy, of all things, freaking eggs. It's what we see every day. And NBA, you're just figuring this out? Well, good for you. Well, when it hits companies that were just given cash for a variety of reasons, one, they're given cash because the product people like to watch. I'm sorry. I know the ratings are down, but you know what? People do like to watch sports, live sports on television. They just do. It's our escape. We don't have to worry about the price of eggs. We don't have to worry about the price of gas. Our escape becomes things like the NBA. Now, NBA is going to tell you 97% capacity, highest in the history of the NBA. In-game watching, up. Clay, others that actually pay attention to television ratings will tell you this. TV ratings are in the tank. They've dipped. There's no good. People don't want to watch. Hey, look, I don't know, but I know this. This time of year, I have always said this. I have always said that the NBA playoffs to me, this guy, two thumbs, this guy, were more exciting, more interesting to me than the uh, than March Madness. And people lost their mind on me, particularly when I was a college basketball analyst. People went crazy on me. They went insane on me. But I got to tell you, I don't feel that way this year. There isn't any game or any series that I want to watch. I might, might be interested in the Knicks only because I do like Jalen Brunson. 
But the truth of the matter is the Bulls don't interest me, and I grew up a Bulls fan. The Pacers aren't in the playoffs. The Pelicans didn't interest me. Maybe Zion would have, but he's fat. Uh, LeBron James doesn't really interest me. The, uh, John Morant's an idiot and continues to be an idiot, won't stop being an idiot, can't stop being an idiot. That doesn't interest me. So maybe I am representative of not only uh, the old crowd of NBA, but NBA fans in general that aren't just in love with wanting to be a part of the life. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. There isn't anything, anything, that any series that I am dying to watch. Good for Patrick Cantlay. Now, who's Patrick Cantlay? Patrick Cantlay is one of the greatest golfers that we currently have on tour. Patrick Cantlay, uh, I did it after Brooks Kepka did it. But uh, Patrick Cantlay got crushed for being slow ahead of Brooks Kepka and John Rahm, second to last group in the Masters. All right. Well, Brooks Kepka called him out, the group in front of us. He said that John Rahm was able to go to the bathroom six or seven times. Cantlay didn't appreciate it. Cantlay said, look, I don't know what to tell you. Everybody was slow. The whole place was slow. He said, we finished the first hole, and the group in front of us was on the second tee when we walked up to the second tee. And we waited all day on pretty much every shot. We waited in 15 fairway. We waited in 18 fairway. I imagine it was slow for everyone. He goes, yeah, one thing that's interesting is he sits on the player's advisory council is that you get all the numbers and the data. Rounds have taken about the same length of time for the last 10 or 20 years that they currently take. When you play golf, when you play a golf course like Augusta National, where all the whole locations are on a slope, greens are fast, it's going to take longer and longer to hole out. I think that may have attributed to the slow play. And then also, when the wind is gusting, the wind is blowing maybe inconsistently, that's when guys will take a long time. I think that's just the nature of playing professional golf where every shot means so much. He's not wrong. But I got to tell you, again, as a normal fan, I sat there and I watched. I'm like, damn, let's go. And I had nowhere to go. But I could tell, like, man, you put yourself in their position sometimes and you're like, how miserable. How absolutely miserable. Planet Tyus is going to join us. I can't wait. You see him on Gutfeld. You see him on all kinds of different shows here on Fox. He's the people's champ, ladies and gentlemen. He is. He's going to join us coming up here in a moment. I had to take a break, but I'm feeling good and refreshed. Woo! As the great Ric Flair would say. Be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. 
Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. The Thunder beat the Pelicans. Name me one player on the Pelic or on the Thunder. Some guy named Josh Giddy at 31, 10, and 9. I think Josh, I don't even know who the hell Josh Giddy is. You tell me. I have no idea. And that's what I was talking about with the NBA. All right, here's the newest controversy. You ready for this? Major League Baseball. There is always unintended consequences, and I'm curious your opinion on this, you guys on the YouTube chat and other places. So Major League Baseball went to the time clock, pitch clock, whatever you want to call it, and it has shortened games by a significant amount, by a half an hour. It has condensed the action, boom. Here's the unintended consequence, you ready? Loss of beer sales. Because of the shortened games, beer sales are way down. What does that mean? That means revenue for the clubs are way down. So, how are clubs dealing with this? Well, you know how clubs are dealing with this. It certainly is not to take a loss and say, all right, okay, uh, our bad, we'll just take the loss. No. Teams are starting to extend the beer sales. Listen to this. The Diamondbacks, the Rangers, the Twins, and the Brewers have extended beer sales through the eighth inning. Most times at ballpark, seventh inning, beer sales were done because people are out of their freaking mind. The Miami Marlins and the Mets still stop after the seventh inning. They haven't changed the rules. The the Orioles already sold through the eighth inning. So what's going to happen? is teams are going to have to figure out, hey, look, we have shortened beer sales because y'all are nuts, but we're going to keep beer sales open longer. True story. I was at Wrigley on Saturday. We went, Lee and I, I talked about this. We went to the bleachers. It was like the eighth inning. I, as I do all the time, had to go to the bathroom. The bleachers bathroom, you got to go downstairs. You pass a couple beer vendors. I passed one. I said, hey, it looked closed. I said, are you guys closed? He goes, no. I go, whoa, hold on here. Give me two for the road. So Lee and I, we unexpectedly had a beer. Now, here's the problem. Players are fighting back. There's a guy, Matt Strom. Matt Strom plays for the Phillies. Matt Strom is saying that, and he was talking on a podcast, he disagreed with the sale of beer. The reason we stopped selling beer in the seventh was to give our fans time to sober up and drive home. So now with a faster place game and me being a man of common sense, 
if the game is going to finish quicker, why would we not move beer sales back to the sixth inning to give our fans time to sober up and drive home? Instead, we're going into the eighth. And now we're putting our fans and families at risk driving home with people who have just drank beers 22 minutes ago. Yeah, I don't know. Is it the ballpark's job to monitor? It certainly is when you're at the ballpark. You know, you can't serve drunken people. But is it the ballpark's job to worry about the time spent after drinking, meaning the game is over, time spent drinking before you get into the car? Is that a ballpark's job? I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And maybe that is the reason they cut out beer sales. I don't know. But one thing I do know is there is not a chance in hell that a major league operation like Major League Baseball is going to move beer sales to the frickin' sixth inning as opposed to moving it later. Hey, money talks, BS walks. We know this. Speaking of money, oh, man, no one's got more money than Tyus. Tyus got more money than God. You watch him, you see him, you know him. Hey, you guys on Gutfeld, you guys are the standard, man. You guys are the number one show, like, in the history of the world. Congratulations. Yeah, well, I have to, I have to stop you because I have kids, so therefore I have no money. <laughs> That's why you oh, see man. me so much. Hey. But, yeah. Hey, let me add to that. I got kids and an ex-wife. That's why I got yeah. no money. That's that's why yeah. I'm sitting around. So we're working. Hey, we're working week week together. Let me ask you a couple of things. Uh, you as the people's champ, you as the world's heavyweight champ, uh, you're not afraid to speak out. Give me your take before President Donald Trump and President Donald Trump. In your mind, was there any difference? Because a lot of people are coming out, and Stephen A. Smith just did the other day. You know, I really liked Donald Trump before he was president. Give me your take on that, that kind of take. I think that's the testing the waters take. I think we're seeing a real shift. Uh, it was, you know, during uh, President Trump's uh, presidency that it was like a secret, you know, if you supported him. Uh, you'd go to sporting events and, you know, you, you expect to boo him or if someone, you know, uh, that was like the safe way of saying you liked him and then he became president. You didn't like him. I think that was just a safe way of avoiding being canceled. But I think given the road of just what well, it was basically, uh, let's just be tell it what it was. It was a Democratic coup to undo the American people's choice of president uh, with the umpteen um Various attempts to uh, the Russian collusion, the impeachments, the lawsuits. The it was just the, the swamp continually threw a different thing at him during his entire presidency. And you know uh, when uh, they got Biden in the office, they there was this. They had convinced a lot of people that there was going to be this great shift and change and normalcy, and things were going to get back to where they were before the pandemic. And what happened was we got into. Uh, we walked right into a progressive trap uh, led by left-wing media, and we have a president right now who has absolutely no backbone or no awareness of what's going on. Uh, Biden was a moderate his entire career, although he's uh, flipped on everything possibly during his entire career. But now as he's he's so progressive that even Bernie Sanders is like, well, what are you doing? So, uh, and I think that coupled that 
with just the general feeling of yuck uh, across the country, uh, the way we feel, the decisions that we're making, that suddenly our eyes are open and you're starting to see more things. Uh, UFC fight this uh, weekend. President Trump was there with Mike Tyson, Joe Rogan. The crowd was chanting for him. You know, it was like it's just a there's a shift. The American people are are seeing it. It's no longer, hey, I don't, you know, I, I like President Trump, but I can't stand the tweets. Or, hey, uh, Tyrus, keep talking the good fight, and but you know, I won't come on your show. Uh, there's a shift, and uh, you know, it started with uh, you saw it with Bill Maher, who was always he's still a Democrat, will always be a Democrat, but uh, they've gone so far the other way. That, that he has more in common with a, a conservative. So it's just a shift, and Stephen A is just testing the waters. I agree with that. That's really well said. Do you think that there is a couple things? There is any chance cognitively that Biden can run again? I got two questions for you, both based on your answer there. Uh, can Biden possibly run again mentally? I mean, I'm watching this guy, and I can't believe what I'm seeing. And the second thing, we have seen public popularity. But the way voting is being handled, can that popularity of Trump spill over into the polls in 2024, or is this thing a little bit rigged? Um, I'm I'm a hopeful, optimistic. I don't think it's rigged. I think we do have to come to the understanding that uh, conservatives we are outnumbered. Uh, there just are more liberals than there are conservatives in this country. That's number one. And there's a lot of people who don't pay attention. So they just see whether they see the lines in the news, they see the quick fixes, and unfortunately that influences a lot of their voting. And then, of course, uh, the pandemic, the mail-in voting made things a lot easier for people to vote instead of standing in line and stuff. So, of course, uh, you saw that more on the liberal side because, you know, I look at uh, going to vote as a holiday and a right. Like, I looked forward to standing in line and doing my part and getting my stamp and my sticker. That was like what... uh, my grandmother did, my grandfather did, my parents did. It was like a thing, you know. And uh, so I think that's kind of the re- Republican way we kind of look at it that way. So uh, we're outnumbered in that sense. Uh, the biggest thing for President Trump is going to be, is there going to be, it's just what noise is there going to be when it comes time for election? Is he going to be bogged down with with lawsuits and and in these, in the, these criminal cases or federal cases or whatever that they're trying to throw at him, how much of that is going to affect the independent voter or the the everyday person who doesn't really look at the news. That's really going to be the issue. Uh, Biden's competency is really irrelevant because it is a group think tank presidency. You can't tell me it's being run clearly. uh, The political factions, the LBTQ, uh, all that. I forget all the letters all the time. Forgive me. But uh, or don't forgive me, I don't care. Uh, that political <laughs> influences has a huge effect on. We're seeing that with uh, we saw that with the with the way the shootings were handled, where uh, you know the press sector was coming out basically saying that the that the victims were the ones with the guns in their hands in this case. Uh, and so we're just seeing we're just seeing a shift of political ideology, and I'm not sure that it's registering it with the with the American people the way they thought it would. Uh, so Biden is irrelevant. He's, he's a postulate. He doesn't do press conferences. He never speaks unless he's reading a teleprompter, which means it's being prepared for him. So it's a think tank. So it's, I think it's the less he knows, the less he does. And again, I, he's, he's my president. Uh, 
I'm not uh, excited to be bashing the president. It's not something you want to do. Uh, I can I can live in four years of democratic uh, ideology. It happens sometimes. You always don't get your way. But this is this is beyond the pale. And um, so it's it's I don't really uh, have an issue with criticisms. I was very criticized. I criticized President Trump when I didn't like things. I'm a grown ass man. I vote for what's best for in my house. Uh, I didn't like the the kneeling stuff and all that. And uh, sometimes getting into arguments and making reporters famous uh, drove me crazy. But uh, his policies and deeds uh, are sorely missed. So it's just it's just going to be a thing where Biden's not going anywhere. Uh, the fact that they keep talking about whether he's running again or not, his ego, he's he's running, you know, period. And uh, and they're fine with it because he's he again will do whatever is asked of him, which is not how it's supposed to be to present to be president. Of course, I know it's not. I mean, the president's supposed to be the leader, not the guy just following along with a number of other. Tyrus has book coming out, got a tour coming up, got a lot of great things going. I want, I'm going to get up into all that, but I want to ask you about Trump. You know, people are just discarding 34 felony counts. You know, I always, I used to tell, I worked for a guy named Bob Knight for a long time, and I used to tell him, you know, there's two sides of this. You think you're getting over on the AD athletic director by being a jackass. Well, he's got an ego, too. I mean, there's two sides of this with Elvin Bragg bringing these up. Where do you see all these criminal charges, these 34 felonies? How do you see this ending for Trump? Well, he only needs one. And uh, that's the general. Right. Concern. Uh, and I think to, to make light of it, I think, is a mistake uh, to say that, you know, Oh, these won't mean anything. This will happen. He only needs one. And the fact that he was able to put 34 up there uh, with most likely what would be a dominant liberal jury, I think Bragg has a, a good chance of getting at least one uh, of those indictments to go through on President Trump. And, of course, that is what the plan is. It's not they just need him incapacitated to two to four years fighting in court and uh, appealing so that he can't run. So they're basically trying to age him out. Uh, and, and, and it's, you have to say <clears throat> that it was a, uh, a well-played, uh, you have to give Bragg credit for what he's attempting to do, even though, uh, it looks to me nothing short of what we've been seeing through the entire Trump presidency, uh, which is basically trying to tell the American people that they know better, uh, than we do when it comes to our vote. And I think, uh, it's a sad day for America that you're charging a president for something. One, statute of limitations ran out. Two, another man is serving time for doing it. Um, so it's just, uh, it's just you, you hate to say, I hate to use the word well played because uh, I personally feel like it's, if they could do it to the president, they could do it to anyone. So they're going to go back and find uh, to go after a political opponent. Uh, and especially with the situation working here in New York, seeing how bad the streets are, seeing how um, many other things he should be working on, uh, the fact that they're willing to spend uh, $750,000 per uh, robot dog to, to videotape crimes in the street instead of putting that money in the pockets of the men and women who serve and protect New York just kind of shows uh, where their head's at. They, they just feel if they take Trump down, everything else will, uh, will follow. And uh, that's where they put all their eggs in their basket. And unfortunately... Uh, 34 counts, you have to, uh, you have to fear it because they only need one. 
Yeah. And yeah, all right, let's talk about that strategy. Take Trump down and we're good. Where does DeSantis play in this, in your mind? I think that's where we run into a problem. Uh, we need to have the same attitude that they had with President Trump when it comes to conservatives, Republicans, independents, libertarians, uh, and even moderate Democrats. I think the attitude needs to be beat Biden, period, not who is it. Uh, I don't care if it's Nikki Haley. I don't care who it is. Uh, Donald Duck at this point would be, I think, better. Uh, a rep at least we know would know who was calling the shots. Um, we see these uh, policies that are only emboldening China. They're only emboldening North Korea, Iran, Saudi Arabia. I mean, I never in my wildest dreams that I think that Saudi Arabia and Iran would 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 have a peace deal uh, and all the work that was done with Jared Kushner in the Middle East has basically been unraveled before our eyes. Uh, and we've seen with his green new deals and his obviously he's getting a lot of checks from uh, electric car lobbyists and all that kind of stuff, pushing those things on the American people that only helps uh, China because where are you going to get the lithium batteries from? You know, and so we just and it just it just gets uglier and uglier. You know, you see Hunter Biden out shaking hands and kissing babies uh, yesterday while they're in Ireland. And with what's it's just shocking to me uh, what he's been able to get away with. Uh, you know, the whistleblowers just came out with he clearly was part of a money making scheme with what is the major players right now? Uh, Ukraine's taking all of our we're sending tons, billions of dollars in military equipment to Ukraine. China is literally making moves to become the uh, the world. The dollar is going to go through China. All these things are coming, and those are the two places where the Biden family have had influence and made money. And you know, you can't if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Pretty much a duck. Uh, I got to tell you, I don't care how Dylan Mulvaney walks or quacks; she, he ain't a woman, and. Anheuser-Busch took a big risk here. Now, I saw something on your Twitter feed where Kevin Sorbo says $7 billion, uh, has been lost to this point. Look, uh, tell me if you agree with this, regardless of whether you agree with Mulvaney, you disagree, whatever. In, in this kind of a situation, it's like sports. It's going to come out in the wash. You're going to know whether this thing was successful or this thing was a complete blank show just simply by revenue, stock, distribution, that type of thing. You're going to know. Well, and see, that's the, that's where, that's where the quandary is because uh, the woke are not concerned with bottom lines. They're not concerned with profits, facts, truths. We saw that with the woke interview with Elon Musk. You're interviewing a, a billionaire and you had absolutely no facts. You just tried to hit him with feelings. You feel that Twitter was, uh, full of hate speech, but you had absolutely not one concrete evidence of that. Uh, Devin Mulaney is a performance actor, period. Uh, I don't I don't feel that he represents uh, trans men and women in this country. He represents himself and the companies that are paying him. Uh, he is, he's the character that he's playing is blackface, but it's woman face. Uh, women are dumb, emotional, make no sense, can't make rational decisions. He is everything that uh, misogynistic men who were being taken down uh, by the Me Too movement uh, 
were viewed as like that was the stereotypical most disrespectful thing that women are dumb emotional can't handle anything uh silly uh, act like children he's playing a character uh and and not even good at it and to the point where the nike dancing thing uh women in the fitness industry have overcame so many things uh there are so many uh unbelievable stories of, of weight loss battle and changing styles and working their butts off. And the fact that, that Nike couldn't find a, a woman, even a, a, a mom, mother of two trainer. I mean, there was just so many candidates out there, but it's not about that. It's about an agenda. And uh, this probably won't end well. Most of these, we're just seeing it's performative. It's their performances. We're seeing performances. We're seeing performances where guys will grow their hair out and try to talk like Martin Luther King. And I think AOC, every time she talks, she tries to talk in rhythm and rhymes now. It's performative. It's not substantive. And yeah, Budweiser, the the camp, the ad campaign marketing man, she should have been fired on the spot. Anyone else would have been fired on the spot with losses like that. What is exciting to me, when it, because they've been playing the cancel game on Twitter. And what it is is basically they've been trying to have their own court of laws. They decide who's successful, who's allowed to be. If they decide they don't like what you say, they can get rid of you. What they what the illusion has been that they're with their social media presence and their political presence and their buying powers with donors like Soros and what that they've created this illusion that they're this giant number, billions of people that are behind them and they're not. And so we're finding that finally, and it, it took men getting involved. Like I, I make jokes, but it's going to take the best feminist in this situation is men, men to step up and say enough. Uh, they have to protect women and not saying that women can't protect themselves, but they're in a situation where they're being attacked by men who have decided to be women uh, for the benefit of it because it's, it's a safe place to be. Uh, men have responsibilities. Men can't be careless. If you or I decided to walk into a woman's bathroom, we'd be fired on the spot. But if we dressed as women and went in the bathroom, uh, the women are the ones with the problem. So, and Devin, like I said, he does not represent trans people in any way, shape, or form. Just like Black Lives Matters doesn't represent me uh, in 90% or 99% of black people. Uh, it, it would just be like if, if I decided that I was going to pretend to be gay uh, and I, all I did was stereotypical gay things on TV. I, I wore the color pink and I talked with a lisp all of a sudden and, and I was super feminine and silly and, 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 and sexual. Gay men would be affronted by that and that would be basically me wearing gay face and I would be kicked off TV. But... And Devin's doing the same exact thing. And I wouldn't accept that. I have no problem with a, a, a if you want to have a beer with, with, a, with a gay pride flag on it, I have no problem buying that. I have absolutely no issue with that. But when you're going to put somebody uh, or partner with somebody who is literally spitting in the face of women, uh, that is enough. And now they got to see what a real cancellation looks like. And we don't have to tweet about it. We just have to keep our dollars in our pockets. And it might take a while, but uh, Anheuser-Busch Budweiser was the most successful beer con company in the world. And this individual, who clearly was an equity hire, went in there and in one TikTok video destroyed uh, America's beer, probably 
permanently. If I was another beer company, I would seriously be looking at this and take full advantage of it. You know, people think Budweiser is an American-owned company. It's not. It's a Belgium-owned company. It got sold a few years ago. I mean, it's kind of interesting. People don't really realize that. I think they're coming to the realization of that now. Yeah, and I, that's, the, and that's the, the, the key thing, the realization. People are realizing that Twitter's not a real thing, social media, TikTok, all that stuff. If you turn it off, they don't exist. Like, turn it off. And that's been my, my whole thing. If you turn it off and just deal in your neighborhoods and look around and see what you're seeing in terms of what real problems are, not first world problems. Uh, somebody being on TV or social media is not a mandatory job. It's not a, it's not a, a, a right that has to be, you don't need to be uh, on TV. Like that's not a real job. Like what we do uh, is extra. That's not, you know, if it goes away tomorrow, you'll be fine. You just might have to, you might have to, you know, roll your sleeves up and do some different kind of work. So turn it off. Uh, turn off the TikTok. Don't let your kids watch it. None of my, none of my children are allowed on social media anymore. Uh, there's just, you know, I wouldn't let a stranger come into my house and start telling my kids how to think and act. Uh, just because they're on a screen doesn't make it better. Like, we got to turn the babysitter off. And, uh, you know, these influencers who are targeting children to put thoughts in their head for subscriptions, and that's what it is. It's for subscriptions to make money to influence children uh, if they don't have an access to your child, they can't get to them. So you keep them out of your house, you keep them out of your front yard, keep them off your screens. Hey, walk me through. You got a tour coming up. What are people going to see? Uh, it's a stand-up comedy tour. Uh, it's all over the country. Uh, I got Biloxi, Mississippi, Houston are the two ones that are coming up most recently. Uh, Crawley, Louisiana, most are sold out. I got a few. Uh, a few tickets left in Houston and, and uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, but it's about an a hour and 20 minute stand up comedy show. Not too political, just a bunch of laughing and, and a good time. And um, but, but you never know where it goes. And I'm like a dog chasing a tire. So, you know, it just depends uh, my mood on the day or what's going on. But uh, it's a really fun show. And uh, we're doing uh, we're going to do a lot more this summer and uh, just keep uh, keep rolling. Of course, you can always catch me on Gutfeld. How about the uh, how about the book? Uh, well, my my I don't I hate calling it my old book, but my old book's still selling. But my second book is about done. Uh, you know, just tweaking it or whatever. And uh, whenever the momentum, because you know I I'm kind of new to the book game, and they're supposed to wait till it goes like uh, to a paperback. But we just never got to a paperback situation. Uh, and it, it's funny that in a time when accountability and uh, ownership is is basically uh, bad words not used anymore a book simply about that does so well which tells me that it's not what the people are hearing on tv is not accurate accountability owning your own stuff uh wisdom and learning from your mistakes and accepting failure still means something in this country to those of us who don't have time to sit on social media for 12 hours a day Hey, man, I love watching you. You guys do a great job. Gutfeld is absolutely fantastic. It's must-see in my family, Tyrus. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. Go to Planet Tyrus, and you can follow more. Watch Gutfeld, and he's terrific. And um, I'll put up – we'll put up the dates of uh, his uh, stand-up tour. It's terrific stuff. All right, ladies and gentlemen, when we come back, I got a lot to get to. I'm not done here. I got the damn awards. 
New York Bad Boys and Joe Dirt. What do they have in common? Oh, hell, I don't know. A California woman says that a sculpture in 1993 looks like a pee-pee and needs to go. We'll show you that when we come back. It's a big half hour coming up before I head to Vegas, baby, where it's just going to be, I don't know, party city, just insanity. Be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, we keep growing and growing and growing here on OutKick. Those of you that understand, you go to the YouTube chat every day. We have numbers that are incredible off that YouTube chat. It's only going to get bigger. Check out Hot Mike. Coming up at 3 o'clock Eastern time right here on the YouTube channel of OutKick. Hot Mike, you see the handsome men there. You got Jonathan Hutton on the left and, of course, Chad Withrow on the right. Hot Mike. With Hutton and Withrow, of course, you got Clay's show. You've got the YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com. You're going to see the link, I think, coming up right here. Yeah, click the button. Tell me you love me. Love me. And then, of course, ring the bell where you get, well, I don't know, every alert that you could possibly get. Because, look, I am one of those guys. I got no life. I got no life, so I'm on Twitter all day. What do I do? I'm working every day, people. I'm working hard. So, anyway, long story short, Go to Hot Mike, go to YouTube channel, hit the button, ring the bell, please subscribe. Let's go. Let's go. Anyway, uh, damn awards, New York Yankees. I love the show Joe Dirt. Joe Dirt is one of those shows that when it is on, I absolutely watch and I like it. It's one of those like, all right, I can pick it up anywhere. I thought Dennis Miller was fantastic in Joe Dirt. Of course, David Spade was out of his mind. Now, I'm not the biggest David Spade fan because I went to see him in Vegas, Lee and I, and he didn't even try. Like, you got to try when you're doing stand-up. But Joe Dirt here, he's the bat boy. And Michael K. went on a rant, basically saying, hey, look, look, here's the deal. You can't have long hair on the Yankees. Yankees have a dress code, but there it is, man. Joe Dirt on the right and Joe Dirt Jr., on the left. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me this isn't absolutely glorious. And there is apparently an upcoming Joe Dirt movie. I guess Joe Dirt 2. I don't know. But there he is in all his satorical splendor or satorial splendor. The Yankees bat boy going all Joe Dirt. So he's just sitting there being a bat boy. And next thing you know, Michael K loses his mind on him. And now he is a hero, hero enough to be on Don't At Me, the Joe Dirt Diamond Award goes to this bat boy. God bless you. God bless you. I agree with Curtis Manlow. Vegas is the worst place to see a comedian. He was in, we were staying, I forget where we were staying. He was there. We had nothing to do. 
We had been at the pool all afternoon, went to take a nap and do you know. And next thing you know, we're like, let's go see Spade. Because I liked him in Rules of Engagement. I thought Rules of Engagement was pretty funny. I don't even know if he was in Rules of Engagement before or after we knew who David Spade was and we went. The Cavender twins are going to take their clothes off. They announced they're done playing college basketball uh, despite having another year left. You know the Cavender twins, a little basketball ballers that went into Indiana and beat Indiana and then immediately started taking their clothes off, putting on lingerie, putting on bikinis, showing their ass. They now are going to earn a ton of money showing their ass off the court. They have huge followings on TikTok, huge followings on Instagram, and they know how to shake it. We told you this going back. My wife, Lee Ross, said women are going to make the most money. Little athletes are going to make the most money. They're going to take their clothes off. That Olivia Dunn takes her clothes off, shows her, you know, bends over, and next thing you know, guys are simple. We flock to that. So these two young ladies are doing that. They couldn't wait two minutes after losing in the Elite Eight to take, or maybe it was a Final Four, I can't remember, to take their clothes off, do things, you know, do all those things, and make money. Apparently, they have a deal with the WWE where they take their clothes off at the WWE and show their business to a certain degree. It's always tasteful. It's tasteful, people. It's tasteful. But they got the goods, they show the goods, and they rake in the cash. It's only fans, but not as sleazy. Good for them. They weren't ever really ballers, although they were pretty good. They were simply TikTok stars, Instagram stars that balled really well. And now, ladies and gentlemen, they get to take their clothes off and make a lot of money. Good for them. Uh, A California woman is mad at a statue erected, and I said that word on purpose, Uh, In 1993, which to me doesn't seem that long ago, but it is 30 years, and you know she looks like that. Is there any doubt in your mind that she looks like that? Let me give you a hint. Here's something you never see. You go to the store, you go to a restaurant, you go to a public place, and you see a woman being mad at their kid and making a big scene. We've all seen it. It's never a hot mom. Never. It's always something that looks like that or some biggin who's got that Munchausen who's mad about like Munchausen by proxy. If you don't know what it is, look it up. It's always somebody mad about a statue always is going to look like that. She's dying for attention. She's dying to be, well, the world should be according to my old ugly ass. That doesn't look like anything other than a rock on top of another rock. My God, it's offensive. It looks like a PP, and it must go now. There was no chance that the Cavender twins or anybody looking like the Cavender twins' older sister or mother was going to be the woman here complaining about a statue. And somebody at Old Channel 8 decided to come out and give this woman the attention that she so desperately desires I need attention because I am old, ugly woman. An old, ugly woman or big and woman needs attention. I need attention. Give me, give me, give me. <laughs> there was no doubt she was going to look like an old shoe. I'm telling you, next time you're somewhere 
and some woman is grabbing her kid or being all nasty, I guarantee you she looks closer to that than the Cavender sisters. 100%. It's never hot mom from Carmel, Indiana, being a dummy in a store. It's always someone that looks like this, whatever this is. Uh, Nick Cannon wants to have a baby with Taylor Swift. Man, I got to tell you, if I'm Nick Can- or if I'm Taylor Swift, I'm staying 6,000 miles away from that man's pee-pee. I'm not coming around that man, not even a little, not even sorta, not even kinda. That dude is a menace, Nick Cannon. That dude is an absolute menace to women's vajayjays. He is a menace. He looks at a woman, she gets pregnant. In fact, this picture might make me pregnant just because I'm in the same three box with Nick Cannon. I might get pregnant. Taylor Swift might get pregnant. We all might get pregnant. Hell, whoever put it up, Ryan or Dylan, whoever went and found a picture of Nick Cannon might be knocked up. The dude has 12 kids with six different women. Stern, Howard Stern asked him, hey, Nick, Taylor Swift wants to have a baby with you. What would you do? And they would say, yeah, she's an amazing performer. What do I love about Taylor Swift is the fact that she's been so open and vulnerable and vulnerable with all her music since she was a young girl. All right. All right. Me and Taylor's number is very similar when we're talking about being in these streets. Yeah, when I think of Nick Cannon and Taylor Swift, I think of these streets. I think she would relate to me very well based off of like, yo, you've dated a lot of people in the public eye. So as I have, we would really understand each other. Yeah, well, I got to tell you, good for Nick Cannon. Good for Nick Cannon. He says, you know, Howard, my spidery senses is tingling. I would love to have. I I would love it if you had a baby with Taylor Swift. I think it would be fantastic, said Stern. Me too, said Cannon. I think it would be amazing. Now, you got to remember, that's really out of there, out of, well, kind of character now for Howard Stern. Howard Stern is the scared He is the representative of the scared liberal. He's the guy that sits in his home in the Hamptons and won't come out. And he's so upset that his wife had a restaurant to go to and nobody was wearing a mask. And can you believe it? Oh, my God, Howard Stern. All right. Well, stay away, women. If you see Nick Cannon, do yourself a favor. Get a diaper. Get a cover. I'll cover that thing up because Nick Cannon just being around you. In fact, I feel like I'm proud. Something just happened. I see a picture of Nick Cannon and those dreamy eyes and whatever he's wearing on his head, and I think I'm knocked up. I think I am. He's trying to have baby number 13. And honest to God, I don't get it. Uh, Since no one would fix the pothole, we're going to give him the fully loaded cannon award. Boy, you ain't lying. Somebody put a stake in my heart or his heart. Look at, look at the Terminator. The Terminator says, hey, I don't care that I slept with my babysitter. I don't care. I'm still out here doing good stuff. No one else wanted to terminate a pothole in his neighborhood. Schwarzenegger took matters into his own hands. And, of course, you know what? Not only did he do it, 
but he did it on camera, which is a shock. Stunned that that would happen. But anyway, so good for Arnold. Arnold decides that pothole needs to go. Guess what? That damn pothole needs to go. There you go. Get in there. Arnold's like 725 years old. And look at him. He's out there getting it done. And he's doing it in such a way that the pros would do it. He's obviously researched. He's got his bucket. He's got the topping. He's got everything he needs to make damn sure that the streets of Arnold World are intact. That's easy to do, right? We actually have a driveway that has potholes. It's not like we got this long driveway, but when, we, when you live by a lake, things happen. So I'm going to take this video, and I'm going to look at it, I'm going to study it, and I'm going to get Lee out there to fix our potholes because I'm too soft. And I got to go to Vegas, baby. That's right. The Pothole Terminator Award goes to the Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is fixing potholes, coming to a city near you. This is a true story, in fact. My friend Abdul is running for mayor of Indianapolis, and I'm going to vote for Abdul. And one of the things Abdul is running on is this right here. I heard an ad yesterday. He's like, look, we all remember when Indy was great. We all remember when the streets were great. We all remember when downtown was vibrant. Now in in Indianapolis, what do we have? We got crap. We got crime. We got a murder rate that rivals Chicago. We got potholes everywhere, which is true. Indy is horrible for potholes. So potholes are actually an election mantra. Fixing potholes is something that maybe if you run for mayor, you ought to get out here and do what Arnold's doing. But find yourself a guy. You got to have a guy, don't you? I mean, let's be honest. If you're going to be doing stuff like this, get yourself a guy. Let him help you fix a pothole. Don't be out there potholing yourself. No. Fix the damn pothole with a guy. And next thing you know, not only are you a mayoral candidate that is talking about potholes, you are a mayoral candidate that literally, ladies and gentlemen, literally is out there fixing the potholes. No, uh, Jacob G., I do not live in Zionsville. I moved to Geist. There's a beautiful lake out my back. I am a big wheel. That's right. I live in the city of Indianapolis. I'm not going to tell you my address because people have sent me, true story, uh, to my house. I guess you can find my address. People send me a bag full of peepees. They were gummies in the shape of a penis. I ate them. I ain't afraid. I ain't worried about it. So there you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, so get out there and vote for the guy, Abdul, that is going to fix your potholes. See, potholes are a big deal. They are. They're a huge deal. They bust up your tire, and next thing you know, what are you doing? Next thing you know, you're paying like 600 bucks for a new freaking tire, and nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to be involved in that. All right, I got a couple of other things before I head to Vegas, baby. Hey, there's a new helmet that is being introduced for quarterbacks that are going to reduce quarterback concussions. Now, it is not the Simpson helmet. And you say to me, Dan, how do you know the Simpson helmet? Well, I live in Indianapolis. 
And all of these concussions, all of these problems with helmets could be solved with the Simpson helmet. There's a dude named Simpson. He makes helmets for race car drivers. I don't know. It feels like to me crashing your head in a race car going 230 on the backstretch at IMS is a little bit more dangerous, even though both are very dangerous, than having a lineman smack into you as a quarterback. We saw it with two. The company that is making them is called Vickus. Good for Vickus. I'm all for Vickus. That's fine. It's the 0-2 Matrix QB helmet. I'm all for it. But all you got to do, NFL, is get rid of all of your ego and go see this dude Simpson. He has, ladies and gentlemen, he has a helmet for you. Jeff Bezos has said he is not going to be a bidder on the commanders. I got to tell you, this surprises me. This surprises me because there are very few opportunities for real smart businessmen to get into the NFL. NFL franchises don't just come available. I mean, it takes an act of God or misogyny or idiocy for an NFL franchise to become available. All of those things apply to David Snyder. And now the commanders, Washington, D.C.'s team, are, is available. I'm surprised. I really am. Says he's not going to bid. He had some interest in bidding. The Amazon chair did. But uh-uh. he's not going to. So, you know what? Uh, apparently... Dan and Tanya Snyder were blocking him from bidding. Now, Snyder's deny that, but who can believe anybody in this instance? That's fascinating to me. I would have thought one of the richest men in the world, Jeff Bezos, obviously runs Amazon. I would have thought he'd have bid, but he's not. There you go. You know we always got a woke dope. You know we got some dopes, dopes that want to be woke. What say you? What do you got, Dylan? Who's woking and who's doping today? Oh, man, now, this is unbelievable, this guy. This guy, Justin Jones, these idiots, uh, part of the Tennessee Three, are such clowns. They are such clowns. They are fake folks. At one point, the one guy acted like he was, oh, I don't know, every man next door, white folks. Next thing you know, he's grown out his hair, and now he's on top of things. In the BLM riots, here are these guys. Don't even start with me. When I see guys, when I see guys that aren't who they are consistently, that are chameleons, and Tyrus said it best, now we see AOC, she speaks like this. When she was running for election, she was trying to be the little girl next door, and it won for her. Now, all of a sudden, we're militant. Yeah, go get them, Justin Jones. We believe you, baby. We believe in your militancy. We believe in your activism. We believe in you. You guys are so fake. Jeez, it would be like if I put a headphone on or if I put a fake bunch of hair on. Justin Pearson is now gyrating with a big fro trying to be Colin too. Go to Jason Whitlock uh, if you really want to make fun of what's going on here with the Tennessee Three. How about the Tennessee Three? How about Camilla Harris coming to Tennessee to talk to the Tennessee Three and having no interest in the six people's families that died? I'm telling you, man, there is evil all around us. Go get them. The Tennessee Three. I got one in the strap, man. I got one in the hole and I got my strap on. Yeah, I'm gangster. I'm Angel Reese. 
Jesus, what a world. What else you got? Oh, yeah, what is this? This clown from Harry Potter tells trans children that adults concerned about gender transition are condescending. And we should trust kids to tell them who they are. Yeah, shut up. How stupid are you? Kids think boogers taste good. Seriously. Of course you should be condescending to kids. Good. Daniel frickin' Radcliffe. Some punk that plays a fictional character is going to tell parents how to parent? Are you out of your mind? Another example of Hollywood's evilness, self-importance, and stupidity. So Daniel Radcliffe, hey, I play Harry Potter. Pay attention to me. Kids out there, if you want to cut off your genitals, then you should. And parents are just condescending if they don't agree with you. How stupid are you? Seriously. Kids that believe in Santa Claus eat boogers, are afraid of the boogeyman. Yeah, let them cut their genitalia off. Let them make decisions on their transgender and criticize parents for being condescending. Hey, look, uh, Dad, today, I remember doing this as a kid. There was a pitcher for the Cubs named Ted Abernathy, all right? Ted Abernathy was a sidearm underhand pitcher. I literally did this. I think I was like eight, 10, whatever. I literally threw a rubber ball against our wall, our garage door, hoping, and I believe this, people that drove by would think that me as an eight or 10 or 12 year old, whatever I was, was Ted Abernathy. And they would stop and ask for my autograph. That's how kids think, you freaking moron, Daniel Radcliffe. And then I remember we went to Meadows Apothecary. You don't even know what an apothecary is. I don't either, but it was Meadows Apothecary. And I went down the aisle doing that, hoping that people would think that I was Cubs reliever Ted Abernathy. That's the brain of a child, you moron. That's the brain of a kid. What's wrong with you? The brain of a kid. See, that brain, even though I was smarter than most, should not make adult decisions on getting my pee-pee cut off. Because, well, it's cool. What's wrong with you? You got plenty of time to cut off your breasts. You got plenty of time to cut off the pee-pee. You don't need to do it as a kid. People are complete idiots. Honest to God. Anybody paying attention to Daniel frickin' Radcliffe ought to have their head examined. Anybody paying attention to these idiots, really, I'm not saying you should be shot on sight. <laughs> You're not, you shouldn't go that far but you should be branded. There should be a scarlet eye on your head. Hi, I'm, a Dan- I'm Daniel Radcliffe. I said this. Give an eye on his head. Hi, I'm Joey Bag of Donuts. I follow David Radcliffe. You should put an eye on your head. It should be automatic, branded into your forehead if you follow idiots because these idiots are dangerous. Yeah, parents are condescending. You're damn right I am. I'm condescending, I'm disrespectful, I'm a little bit, can be, a little bit tough on my children and their great kids. Yeah, I wasn't going to let my daughter cut off her things. I wasn't going to let my son cut off his pee-pee because they came up to me one day and said, you know, Dad, I feel like a girl. Oh, well, let's cut off your pee-pee. <laughs> What's wrong with people? What's wrong with you? Hi, Dad. 
Oh, hi, son. You know, today, Dad, I feel like a woman. Well, let's go to the doctor. My wife legitimately would have been brought in by teachers had she lived in this era because she was a big-time tomboy, better than any of the boys in basketball, football, baseball. The boys actually made her tuck her hair underneath her helmet so she could play fourth-grade tackle football, and she was the star of the team. Could you imagine idiots like Daniel Radcliffe or some of these idiot teachers you see on TikTok getting a hold of her? It would have been awesome if they did because Sandy Ross would have come in and destroyed the entire school. She would have come in and left a bag of bodies in her wake for any teacher trying to turn the lovely Lee Ross Dockage into a boy. Man, Gigi Meyer, Urban's son, or Urban's daughter, excuse me, Gigi was a great athlete, played in our backyard with the boys, kicked their backsides. I could only imagine if St. Charles Elementary or St. I think it was St. Al's, I get all the saints mixed up where my kids went to school, but at St. Aloysius, if the nuns, I don't know if they had nuns, if the teachers would have said, hey, Gigi, we think you're a little boy. Oh my God, Shelly Meyer, the strongest of women, would have stabbed somebody in the neck. I can see the headline in the Indianapolis Star, Dockage calls for more school violence. No, that's not exactly it. Swear to God, it's unbelievable to me. It really is truly unbelievable. So Daniel Radcliffe, you suck. Daniel Radcliffe, you got no bearing on nothing. Daniel Radcliffe, kiss my backside, you punk. Yes, mommies and daddies are condescending. You're damn right. Better to be condescending and save your kids from people like Daniel Radcliffe or any of these folks that want to slice up your kid than to go along. I'm going to be in Vegas, baby. That's right. Southwest Airlines, my brother and I are on the flight. I think we'll get hammered and create an incident. You know what I do when I get on flights? True story. I put my hat down. I sit there. I don't bother nobody. I'll say nothing. And then about, well, I think it's a three-hour flight maybe to Vegas, two and a half, three, probably three. I go to the bathroom about 16 times. But I'll tell you this, I'm gonna, my, my, my search and rescue mission is to find a spot by the sports book and do the show with a sports book in our background. Because you can't bet there. You can't use DraftKings there. So every bet that I make is going to have to be at the sports book. Playing golf on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm going to win so much money that I'm going to move to the other side of this lake where the rich families live. That's right. That's the plan. Thanks to everybody for watching. YouTube, do me a favor. Subscribe to our channel. Hit the bell. Let's go. Thanks for being there every day, all of you men and women of the Dockage Army. Thanks to our friends. Uh, Dylan and Ryan do a great job every single morning. There you see. Have a great afternoon. I'm getting on a flight. I'll see you tomorrow from Vegas, baby. It's going to be hookers. No, it's not. I'm not porn guy. I'm just not. I'm not hooker guy. I'm not porn guy. I'm kind of boring. I'll see you tomorrow.